Hey, let me start by asking you guys what seems like a very simple question. Who's in charge of your schedule? Who's in charge of what you do every day, each week? Who's responsible for filling your calendar? Now, the obvious answer to that is you are right? You're the one that decides how your time is spent and where you go and all of those different things. You know, of course it's you. That's the only answer that makes sense. You've got kind of like all of these, oh, I don't know, responsibilities that have to be dealt with, right? So you've got to um, go to work. You've got to put the kids to bed. You've got all of these routine mundane tasks that you got to do. You want to go to the gym periodically. You want to make sure that you, uh, you know, get your grocery shopping done and things like that. You've got relationships that need to be maintained. So you want to schedule maybe a date night with your boo. You want to make sure that you call Nana every once in a while. And then you probably want to invest in your faith as well. That's probably also important to you. So you think about connect groups and you think about Sunday services and, you know, it's like that's how your schedule works, right? Not always. If you were the only one that was responsible for actually figuring out what you did daily, weekly, and yearly, then you could probably Tetris your schedule together pretty well. You would probably be at least halfway decent at dealing with it. But you aren't the only one that schedules your time, are you? No, there are all these external claims that people want to place on your schedule and on your calendar, right? Your boss pulls you aside and he says, hey, I need you to work an extra shift this weekend. You're like, whoo, wasn't planning on doing that. Your kids come home and they say, ooh, Corey at school is playing soccer and dad, I have to play soccer with him. And so you sign the kid up for soccer and you go to the first parent meeting and what happens? The coach hands you a sheet of paper that has 12 practices and games that are already scheduled out for you. Isn't that nice of them to just have it all lined out already? Say goodbye to your Tuesdays this summer, okay? Because they're spoken for now. Oh yeah. Then you've got like, um, you've got, um, oh, where am I at here? What are the things we have going on? Oh, I know this one. You thought you were going to relax yesterday. You thought Saturday was going to be taking it easy, lounging on the couch, resting and catching up maybe on a little bit of that relaxation that you need. But your wife decided that no, 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 your Saturday was going to be spent doing stuff around the house, right? And then you didn't ever expect this, but a freak snowstorm happens. And now you got to get out there and shovel the sidewalk before the neighbors call bylaw services on you. It's like, wow, when you look at your schedule, It is often filled up with things that you didn't choose, things that you might not even think are important or priorities, and you're wondering, how did it already get so full? And then you take all of those things that we talked about earlier, exercise and family and faith and like, you know, work and school, and suddenly you realize when we take into account all the external demands that are placed on our time, and then we try to fit in all the things that we believe are important and we want to actually put into our schedule, there's stuff left over. There's not a lot of room left for us. What ends up happening is you say things like, whew, I wish there were more hours in the day. Wouldn't it be great if there wasn't 24 hours in a day, if there were actually like 27 or 30? Boy, I could get everything done then. You, you say things like, oh, I don't know how I'm supposed to get all of this done. I know I have to, because all of this is important. All of it is necessary, but I don't even know what to do. I'm so worn out from trying to juggle all of these different things. See, if you're not careful, too much of this can cause you to burn out and to break down without even realizing it. 
So in this second week of the series, Take Back Your Life, what I'm challenging you to do is to consider that wise people fill their calendar with their priorities and not other people's demands. A wise person will schedule their week, their day, even their year, not based on the demands that everybody else tries to put on them, but rather according to what you know to be important, meaningful, and worthwhile in your life. Listen, that's a word for somebody this morning, okay? Somebody needs to know that because there are people pleasers in the room and you have so much trouble saying no. And there are moms and dads and like employees and you are overworked and overextended and overscheduled. And if that's you, I just have a sense that this morning is gonna be incredibly helpful. God is gonna show you some things from his word that have the power to help you to reprioritize the things that really matter. Because ultimately, you're gonna take back your life by taking back your schedule. That's one of the key things that's gonna have to happen. You are gonna take ownership. You are gonna get control over how your hours, days, and weeks are going to be spent. Now, you're getting control, not so that you can fit more in. That's the danger with what we're gonna be talking about this morning. You're like, oh, sweet, now I've created more margin. I've got more free time. That means I can do more stuff. No, we have been freed so that we can live in freedom. Jesus wants to give you some margin. If you live according to biblical wisdom, you are going to experience a little more Ah, breathing room. So the key then is not to fill it up with too many other things. I think this is what the psalmist had in mind in Psalm chapter number 90, verse 12. Psalm 90, verse 12, the scripture says this, Lord, teach us to count our days so that we may grow in wisdom. Now, there's actually a little bit of wordplay that's happening here. Um, I've highlighted the word count on the screen for you there. And the most obvious reading and interpretation of what the psalmist is saying is like, Lord, teach us to count the number of our days, to recognize and realize that we have limited time here on earth, don't we? We don't have unlimited time. No matter what, there is a set number of days that have been lined out for absolutely every one of us, all right? Even if you had unlimited money and all of your time was free, can you imagine that? Holy cow, how good would that be? Elon Musk money and like no no responsibilities, okay? Even if you had unlimited money and all of your schedule was completely free, do you realize that you still couldn't do it all and experience it all? You couldn't. Why? Because God has placed limits on all of us. They're built into into the fabric of creation. Creation itself has rhythms. They have beginnings and ends, days and hours, seasons, revolutions around the sun, if we want to get real specific, okay? God has built these boundaries and limitations into our very existence. And so if we don't recognize that we weren't made to do it all, to see it all, to have it all, to experience it all. Until we recognize that, then we're constantly gonna be butting up against this idea of an overwhelming life because of an overflowing schedule. Maybe I could put it to you like this. Everyone is guaranteed the same number of hours in a day and days in a week, but we are not all guaranteed the same number of years in a life. Are you following with me? Does that make sense? I hope that it does. I I think that this is intuitive, but it's something that we don't want to consider very often. We all get 24, 7, 365. Everybody is operating under those same constraints. 
The one difference is that we don't actually know how many 365s we're each going to get. Some of us might get 20 or 50 or 70. The world's oldest person just passed away. Did you know this? They just passed away like last week. They were like 119 years old. That is a lot of 365s. I don't even think I want that many 365s, to be honest with you. I, I mean, maybe when I get there, I don't know. But the truth is we're all operating under the same constraints. We all have the same number of days, in, uh, hours in a day, the same number of days of week, uh, days in a week, but we don't know how many months and days we're going to have in our lifetime. And so what the psalmist is telling us here is that our days are numbered. This is, again, not something that any of us want to think about. Who wants to consider the fact that one day it'll be our last day? That's not pleasant. Dan, I thought Connect was all about like encouraging and positivity. And then I show up and you're telling me you're going to die one day. I know. But listen now, the reason the psalmist tells us to count our days is because time is a finite resource. And what we do with our time really does matter. So I told you there was kind of this interesting wordplay that's going on in this particular passage. The psalmist says to count your days. And the obvious and the first superficial reading of that is to count the number, to be aware of the fact that you will not have unlimited days and you do not have unlimited time. As a result then, that Hebrew word count, it has a secondary meaning. And that secondary meaning actually is to prepare or order something to put it in its proper place, in its proper order. So watch what the psalmist is saying here. I think this is so good. I think it's so insightful. He's essentially saying that if you were to count the number of your days, to recognize that it's limited and finite and you cannot do it all, then you will start to count your days in the sense of making them count, in the sense of ordering them, deciding what is a true priority in your life. What are the things that you really want to be spending your time doing rather than letting just anyone come in and and take over your schedule? We talked last week about how the enemy, the devil, who is real, and man, his target is you. He wants to rob you of your time. He wants to kill you and your family if he can. He wants to destroy every good thing that God has created. And so a lot of what we see filling our calendar is simply distraction from the devil. And a lot of what ends up filling our calendar is simply demands of people who don't even understand how much they're claiming our time and and how much of our life we really want. And so the psalmist is telling us to not only count, recognize that we have this finite number of times, but instead then, or as a result, to approach every single day and to say, okay, how do I make use of this time? How do I make my days actually count? I think this is also the same thing that the Apostle Paul had in mind in the New Testament. So if we go to the book of Galatians, we find that Paul is writing a letter to the Galatian church, and he says to them something that's going to sound a lot like what we just read in Psalm chapter number 90. uh, I said it's Ephesians, not Galatians. Sorry, Ephesians chapter number 5, verses 15 and 16. Paul says this, pay careful attention then to how you walk. Or he might actually be saying like, hey, count your days. Make them count. Pay careful attention to how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. You notice that he's using the same words that the psalmist used like a thousand years before. We're talking about wisdom. What's the beginning of wisdom? It's recognizing our limits and then planning our schedules and our lives accordingly. So pay careful attention then to how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. And then he says this, redeeming the time because the days 
are evil. Now, that word redeeming, I've got it highlighted there because I want you to focus in on it. That word is a, it's a word of finance or commerce, okay? The word redeem literally means to purchase. It's like when you go to the store and you bring your jeans up to the register and you purchase them. You pay. You give them money. They give you jeans. The, the apostle Paul is saying here, listen, every single day you are spending the time that God has given you. Every day, whatever you do, you are paying Netflix with the finite time that you have in your account. You're paying your family for the the privilege of being in your presence this holiday season, all right? Everything you do, every single day, you are actually exchanging the only finite resource that you have in life. You can always earn more money. We all know those retirees, and they were like, I am set, baby. And then they started watching the uh, bank account drain, and they're like, well, I guess I'm going to be a greeter at Walmart. You can always earn more money. You can always have more experiences. You can always travel more. You can always have more dinner parties. Heck, you can even make some more kids, all right? Everything in life is a renewable resource with the exception of your time. So the psalmist says, if you know that, then you better count your days. You better order them. You better prepare them. You better live according to what you know to be important rather than what everybody demands of you. And the apostle Paul says, listen, if you wanna be wise, then you are going to redeem that time well. You are going to pay and get something good in return. So I want you to ask yourself for a moment, what are you getting for what you give each day? What are you getting in return for spending your time and your days? Most of us are getting paid with anxiety, with depression, stress, dissatisfaction. At best, we get a tiny hit of dopamine that lasts for as long as it takes for us to clear that notification. That is what we are redeeming our days for. Can I say to you, God has something much better in store for his people. God does not want you to waste your life. You can spend and waste. Boy, have I been there. I don't know if I've told this story or not. When I was seven years old, I was hit by a car. It's a true story. Uh, I lived. Don't worry. Uh, Yeah, just so you know. Uh, And so there was like this insurance payout because the driver was at fault, even though I was a little kid and I was crossing where there wasn't a crosswalk. Anyway, um, so when I turned 18, I got a nice, tidy little sum of money. Now, uh, to me, it felt like Elon Musk money, okay? It was enough to buy a car, basically. So did I buy a car? Yes, I bought the cheapest car I could afford, and then I blew through the rest of that cash, okay? I spent the resource that had been given to me. And frankly, when I look back now as a 42-year-old, at 18-year-old Daniel, I'm like, boy, did you waste that moment. Boy, did you waste it. See, we can spend and we can receive something in value in return, or we can waste it and get nothing of value in return. And so I wanna take you back to what we said earlier in the message. Wise people schedule what matters. They schedule their priorities. They schedule the things that are truly going to make an eternal difference in this world rather than letting anybody walk up and claim your time as their time. That's not fair, it's not right, and it's not wise. A wise person will choose how they redeem their time, how they make their days count by protecting what's important in in their scheduling and in their calendar. Now listen, I'm not gonna try 
to define your priorities for you. Because in truth, we all have some common priorities, but then there are a lot of other ones that we may not share in common. So kids are not exactly a priority in my life. Now, if you don't know me, you might think, dang, he's a bad dad. Like, I hope his kids never... I'm actually not a father. I don't have any kids. So they're not a great priority for me, okay? So there are things that may be number one priorities in your life, but they aren't number one priorities for everybody else. So I'm not going to sit up here and tell you, well, first, it's got to be this, and second, it's got to be that, because our schedules are too varied, too unique, and too different. But what I want to encourage you to recognize is that you've got to identify in your life what is a priority, what should get first place first crack at your schedule, first crack at your days and how you're spending your hours. And so if you prioritize family, then listen, schedule a date night, schedule a family game night and lock that puppy in. Don't let anyone or anything try to crowd it out and move it. If you put a date night or a game night on the calendar with your family, I mean, it might have to change once or twice a year, but you know what? Too many people put stuff like that, priorities on their calendar, and then they move them once or twice a month. It's like just as often as not, we're not really doing this thing. It's a priority, but we don't actually schedule it as if it were a priority, okay? If exercise is your priority, then you got to schedule it, man. Oh gosh, I've been telling myself for a long time, like Daniel, exercise is a priority. But if you look at my schedule, it is not, okay? It is not one of those things that I'm investing in as if it were of the utmost importance to me. If work is a priority, and listen, it's got to be for most of us, okay? If work is a priority, then you should schedule it and keep it within its schedule. Hello, okay? Set some boundaries around your work. Work is necessary. You might have to work 40 or 50 hours a week, okay? Nothing wrong with that. But listen, if you're at work, answer your work emails. And if you're at home, ignore them. Company won't fall apart. Your boss isn't going to fire you. And if he is, it's not a job that you want, that you want anyway, okay? So if it's a priority, then you schedule it and you stick to that schedule. If sleep is a priority, whoo! Yes, Jesus. If sleep is a priority, now listen, I, I'm, not gonna, I'm not meaning to step on anyone's toes here, but if sleep is a priority or you want to make it a priority, then you're going to have to adjust your schedule. And you may not be able to stay up till 1 or 2 a.m. And you may not be able to binge watch every season and all of those things. It's about determining what the healthy and right priorities are in your life and then making sure that they get the proper position in your time. If Bible reading is a priority, and it should be, put it on the calendar, set an alarm. 15, 20 minutes a day is all you need to really have a great moment with God to start things off. Now, if you're saying to yourself, okay, Dan, I, I mean, I get what you're saying truly, but listen, the problem I have is that basically everything in my life is important. It's a priority. That's why I'm doing all of this stuff because all of it's important and I couldn't think about cutting any of it. All right, I understand that impulse. Genuinely, I know where you're coming from on this. But I read something recently that gave me a brand new perspective on this idea that everything is important. I wonder if it might help change your mind as well. So I was reading the other day that apparently the word priority, okay? That word priority came into the English language uh, back in the 1400s. So priority has been a part of our language for a really long time. Came from Latin, we took it into English, and the word literally means the first thing 
or that which comes before everything else. Okay, check this out. This is mind-boggling, okay? For the next 500 years, the only word we had was priority. For 500 years, for half a millennium, the word priorities, plural, did not exist. It didn't exist in our language. Nobody spoke about priorities. That's like today, you talking about, yeah, I was reading the newses, and everyone, the newses, what? That's like, that word doesn't have a plural. It doesn't make any sense. If you started talking about your priorities in the 16, 17, 1800s, everybody would have been like, you can't have priorities. It is the first thing. It is that which comes before everything else. But what happened is along about the 1900s, we started talking not about our priority, but about priorities. And I promise you, if you listen to anybody talking about scheduling, you listen to them talking about, you know, hacking your life and ordering things correctly, even me during this message today, you'll recognize that I have said the word priorities way more than I said the word priority. But that's not how that word was originally understood. And I don't even think it's how God wants us to think of it either. Here's the truth. You cannot have 20 priorities in your life. You can't. You were designed to have that many priorities. You can't have 10 priorities in your life. There is not enough 24s and 7s and 365s for us to have 10 priorities or 7 or 6. I would submit to you that at the very highest range, you might have three to five true priorities in your life. Three to five things that you could put in your calendar and guard with every effort you possibly can. Three to five things that you say are so important that you would redeem your time in order to accomplish those things and feel like you've gotten a good exchange as a result. And hey, if we wanna go even a step further, if we wanna get real specific, we ultimately only have one priority, one thing that we are put here on earth to do. We talked a little bit about this last week. We've got all kinds of goals. We've got all things we want to accomplish, sure. But God put us here for a singular purpose. That is the ultimate priority that we should be building our schedule around every single day. So once you start to realize this, okay, that you can't have so many priorities, and if you want to take back your life, you've got to take control of your schedule and start building your days and weeks and months around the things that truly matter. You know what you're going to have to do? You're going to have to get really good at saying no. Anybody really good at saying no? There are a couple of you. There are a couple of you. But the majority of us need some help. And so that's why next week, our entire message is going to be designed around learning how to say no in a healthy and wise way, in a way that honors God and furthers your purpose in the world. So Mother's Day is going to be amazing. I can't wait for it. It's going to be so good. But since we're going to be talking about that so much to, uh, next Sunday, what I want you to do today is to realize this truth. If you don't prioritize your life, somebody else will. Somebody else will. So your life has priorities in it. And those priorities are currently reflected in your schedule. The question is whether or not they're your priorities or the enemy's priorities. Whether they're your priorities or your boss's priorities. 
you let him, your supervisor, he'll prioritize your life for you. If you're not careful, you'll let Instagram tell you what's important, what matters, what you should be redeeming your days and time for. Oh, yeah, they'll tell you. Hey, your kids, boy, I know you love them. They're the best, aren't they? Let them run the show. They'll fill your calendar. Give them your, like, give them your phone. Your kid won't even go to YouTube anymore. They'll go to your calendar app. And they're like, this is what we're doing this Sunday after church. We're going to the park, right? Like your kids will take over your schedule if you let them. And you need to invest in them and they need to have priority in place. But they aren't the ones who determine the priority in place. You are because you're a wise person and you're living according to the, the wisdom that God gives us in his word, okay? Everybody else We'll take the time to prioritize your life if you don't. So as wise people, we're gonna build our schedule around our priorities. Not so that everyone else can get what they want out of us and not certainly so the devil can accomplish his plans, but so that we can accomplish the purpose for which God has put us here on earth. So how do we determine our priorities? I told you they're all a little bit different and so I can't just give you a list. In fact, the Bible doesn't even give us a list of five things that you're like, this is you know number one, number two, number three. So how do we determine our priorities? Is it all up for grabs? Can I choose anything as a priority as long as I keep it kind of narrowed down to three to five things? And the answer is, if you're not a follower of Jesus, yeah, sure, do it. Choose what you think is important. Might be work, might be travel, might be cash, might be friendships or Rome. I don't care. Choose what you want. And if you were to follow the wisdom of the scripture and you were to narrow down the things that you pursued in life, you'd be doing less but accomplishing more. It's true. Um, listen, business people know this. If you read business books, holy cow, basically every business book on the planet is stop doing so much and you'll accomplish more, okay? So there you go. There's a whole library you don't have to buy. You're welcome. <laughs> so they understand this. And, and if you're not a follower of Jesus, then you can choose your own priorities. You can set them as whatever you want, pursue them, and I believe you will have a more effective life, a better life. I genuinely believe that. But can I give you one caveat? Just one thing to keep in mind. And that is that a lot of the things that we spend our lives pursuing, they don't end up satisfying us the way that we think that they will. Okay, now. Johnny Depp and Amber Heard. They have fame. They have fortune. Everybody on the planet is talking about this couple. Do you think they're satisfied right now? Not at all. Okay. <laughs> Jeff Bezos. The man can literally blast himself into space, but nobody respects him. Nobody takes him seriously. Do you think he's satisfied? I think there might be some question there. Okay. There are all of these people. I mean, I know people personally that have accomplished their dreams, you know, like they're the people who know what they're going to be when they're seven years old and they grow up and they just do it. Or they, they set out to build a business or they set out to invent something and they do it. And even after they've accomplished everything they thought was important and a priority in their life, they still feel empty. Why is that? Let me, let me give you one thing to consider here. And that is the best life that's ever been lived was not lived by a movie star or an influencer or a CEO. 
The best life that's ever been lived wasn't lived by the person that you might expect. We've had 2,000 years to try to do better than the best life. And you know what? We failed miserably because the best life that was ever lived was lived by Jesus Christ. It was lived by our Lord and Savior. Now watch this. Don't miss this. Jesus did it by living with radically different priorities than we live with today. The reason that he's lived the best life, the reason that his life is the pattern and the standard by which every single life is still measured by 2,000 years later on the other side of the planet is because he lived with a different set of priorities. And so you can choose your own priorities, go for it. But I would submit to you that one day you're gonna look back and you're gonna say, even though I was able to accomplish so much of what I thought was important, something still seems to be missing. And that's because the ultimate priority that you were put here on earth for is to know God and to live for him every single day. That is the thing. You have a God-sized hole, not just in your calendar, but also in your heart. The only thing that will fill it is a relationship with your heavenly father. So that's where you need to be looking. You, you, you don't copy Elon and Kim and Steve and all of these other people that were like, boy, I wish I could be like them. No, you want to be like Christ. You want to be like Christ. Why? Because hundreds of years now, thousands of years from now, people will still be talking about the things that you did here on earth. And then for all of eternity, we are going to be celebrating together the fact that we are sinners saved by grace and that we could have wasted our life. We could have spent our days, but no, we decided to be wise and follow the pattern of Jesus. And we decided to count our days, to order them, to use them in such a way to impact the world, to transform eternity, to glorify God and get to our deathbed and say, yeah, I lived a life that was worth living. This is what Jesus offers to us. And so much of it starts, all of it starts really with a relationship with God, but then by taking back your schedule so that you can take back the life that you are always meant to live. I'm going to invite my wife, Amber, to come up. She's going to read a passage of scripture here. She has caught her breath, so everything's good. Uh, sorry about that. I didn't mean to make jokes at your expense. Um, so she's going to read for you something that Jesus said in Matthew chapter number six, the Sermon on the Mount. These verses are not on the screen, so I want you to really focus in. Just listen, hear them in the same way that the crowds would have heard them back in the first century. Matthew six, starting in verse 25. That is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing, yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? So don't worry about these things saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. 
But your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. Yeah, thank you, Amber. Appreciate that. And thank you, Lord, for that word and that assurance, man. If you were to take that teaching to heart, boy, it would totally transform your life. Now, what I've learned is that what Jesus said is true. If you will seek first, if you will make your priority the kingdom of God, this goes first. Above and beyond everything else, my relationship with my God, my following of the Son of God, whatever that might look like, this is going to get first place priority. Before I agree to a schedule with a job, before I talk about when my date night is with my girl, before anything else, God gets priority. And then you start to fill it like with all the other stuff that you've got going on, you know, whatever other priorities it might be that you have, health and fun and travel and all of those different things. Then by the time everybody else starts coming in, and they start filling you up with all of their demands and your boss is asking you to work extra shifts and we're talking to you about joining the dream team and you know, you've got like your husband who's like, babe, I need you to go to the store because I forgot to get this and you're like, what the heck? I gave you a list. You know, before all of this, oh, is that just the Suiza household? Okay, fine, fine, fine. Okay. Before or by the time all of these other people come in and they start putting their demands on top of you, you know what you realize Seek first the kingdom of God, and the other stuff fits. It makes sense. Yeah, it's cheesy, I know. It's a youth pastor thing. I've been doing it since I was like 18 years old. But listen, there's truth to this. Prioritize the stuff that deserves to be prioritized. And you will find that life has a cohesion. It comes together in such a way that it doesn't feel overwhelming anymore. In fact, as we'll see next week, it starts to feel overflowing. I'm not running on empty, and I'm not running on being overscheduled, overextended, and overworked. I've got a totally different way of life. This is what God has in store for you. But the only way that you're going to get there is to prioritize, to seek first God and his kingdom so that all these other things can be added to you. So let me end by asking you this question. It's a bit of a rhetorical question. You're going to have to answer it for yourself. Again, I'm not going to give you the answer. What would it look like? What would your calendar look like if God were your number one priority? What would it take in order to clear away all of this so that you could drop God in first, so that he became number one. Now you're like, Dan, you're about to tell us we need to come to church. You're already at church. Wonderful. Thank you for that. Good on you. Do you know following Jesus is so much more than coming to church? That's basic stuff. There are people that don't even follow Jesus and they come to church. So that can't be the definition of it. It's more than that. You're going to have to figure that out. The only way you're going to figure that out is by getting to know Jesus a little better and to follow after him. Too many people want the life of Jesus, but they are not willing to pursue the lifestyle of Jesus. They are not willing to prioritize the things that he prioritized. And until we do, we're never going to look like him. So what would it take to make faith, your father in heaven, the number one priority in your life? I want you to seriously consider that. 
And then I want you to believe deep down in your soul. Ignore the lies of the enemy. Trust the truth that the word gives you. That if you were to seek first the Father, the kingdom of God above and before anything else as your priority in life, our good Father would add all of these things to you as well. 